You're listening to Trot the Egging, hosted by John Hetherington, working with Witness Rugby Union Football Club, sponsored by Boydells. Follow, like, share, subscribe and endorse us via Facebook, Trot the Egging, Twitter, at Trot the Egging, slash at John Heth, Instagram, Trot underscore D underscore Egg underscore in, YouTube, Trot the Egging, LinkedIn, John Hetherington, and Spotify, Trot the Egging. This week's rugby story is that of a Yorkshire-born and bred front rower who helped lay the platform for his teammates to thrive on. Part of a formidable Leeds Rhinos team that went on to compete on the highest stage for years. He also had spells at Castleford Tigers, Hull Kingston Rovers, Harlequins Rugby League and represented England under-21s and Great Britain before moving into coaching with London Broncos and recently Roslyn Park. A great fella who it was a privilege speaking to. Ladies and gents, Mr Danny Ward. So, Danny, how have you and the family been, mate? Okay. Yeah, really good, mate. Yeah. Um, always uh, keep you busy, don't they? It's, uh, it's full on, full on yeah. life with uh, <laughs> two two kids and uh, a couple of dogs thrown in the mix and all their activities and schooling. And yeah, it's ne- never a dull moment, mate. Good stuff, mate. So, before we get stuck into your rugby story, where was home and, and who lived with you? Right now. Uh, now. When you were a kid. Oh, home was uh, Jewsbury. I was born and raised in um, in Jewsbury. Um, yeah, just just me and my sister, and um, yeah, that's where that's where we were born and raised. And then moved to moved to Leeds when I was about twenty three, and okay. then yeah, came down to came down to London in two thousand and seven. So uh, yeah, been about a bit. Right. So uh, with you just having your sister, mate, where does that competitive edge come from? Then where where did that start? Um, I don't, I don't know. I think my, my family's all all competitive. Obviously, my dad played and uh, he had a competitiveness. And I think, um, yeah, that was just instilled into you as a, as a kid, you know, playing playing sports with your old man in the garden. Um, see, now you, you hate losing. Uh, you know, I've always hated losing, even when my kids were you know, two or three, and you should should let them win. Yeah. <laughs> I found it really, really hard. To, yeah. I'd have to beat them about five times before I let them win at something, whether it were a ball game or a penalty shootout in the garden. I still, <laughs> still have to, no matter. There's always yeah. tears. Um, so we was telling someone the other day, our games nights are kind of banned now in our house. We, uh, try, Especially try if you're the banker. Uh, just, that's it, we played... We played um, Monopoly at Christmas and uh, yeah, we, we thought oh, because we we'd not played a game for a while because it always kicks <laughs> off and someone's always in tears and with bad winners <laughs> and bad losers as well. So the winners yeah. are always real bloated, carrying on the tables are getting flipped over and someone's always kicking off and and running upstairs to bed. So it's uh, it's, it's shocking, but uh, that's it, it stinks, isn't it? You got to you got to be yeah, yeah. what to do. And I think being a younger sibling that always. Um, being the youngest of, of siblings, I think you have. I always think you have it a little bit tougher coming up because the older sibling always dominates you. Right. You know, bullies bullies you into 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 everything really. Whether yeah. sharing your sharing your sweets or or you know sleeping in the same bedroom, you know, on a weekend or anything, you seem to just get dominated by and uh, by your by your older siblings. You're always kind of fighting that struggle growing right. up to kind of to, to to run as fast as them or to be as strong as them and. Uh, and so you've got to have that competitive nature as a, as a youngster, you know, certainly like a, with with all the all the siblings, I think. And I see that, um, you know, in in, in players now who come from who come from the who's the youngest of 
of, of a bunch of kids. You can see that they're just something about them just got that bit, of, bit more toughness when yeah, they've had that to, edge. Yeah, they've always yeah. had to like be competitive, and it's it's uh, it's knock it all run, and you and you and your siblings are a bit faster and a bit quicker than you. You've got to you've got to speed up when you when you're that young kid, and you and you're slower yeah. than the rest. So uh, survival of the fittest. On our council estates, mate, first up, best dress for us, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know about yeah. you, that's what it was round hours. Yeah, that's it. Every, every yeah. day is a, a battle, yeah. You fight one battle or what to get to get to the breakfast table first or, yeah. or yeah, get the get the best coat out of the cupboard or whatever it is. So how was rugby introduced to you and, and where was your top mate? Um well, I'd say my dad my dad played, so been around band rugby since you know I was a baby when he played at Leeds and, and obviously went to went to games there. Since I can remember, you know, sitting yeah. on sitting on the wall at Enley and watching games as a kid, and and then when he went into his his coaching career, you know, at Hunslet, used a ball boy, ball boy at Hunslet, you know, at seven eight years old. When that's when they played at Ellen Road as well, which was which is fantastic. They played at you know Leeds United's ground and right. used a ball boy there, and then started playing rugby at um, at Jude my, my kind of local local amateur club, and my dad took me took me down there when I was. When I was seven, joined up with the under nines at, at Juju Moore. So that's all that's all it was really. And what do you remember about them early days? Was it like half a pitch? Was it I think it used to I'm sure it just used to be full pitch back was then. It? There was none of there was none of this kind of um, not that I remember. There was no like uh, six aside, seven aside. It was always yeah. just seemed to be 13 aside, full pitch, just go, you know, like whatever yeah. it was, twenty minutes, no like tag or anything like that. Back then, it was it was straight into into uh, into full contact. Obviously, winter rugby as well back then. So yeah, you used to yeah. Train all the train all the way uh, through the winter. Sometimes you train in a car park. I remember training like at Sainsbury's car park and all that. <laughs> you find a you find a corner where where some where you get a little bit of light or something. Yeah. Dad'd dad leave the car running. <laughs> Have his headlights on, like your mums and dads on the headlight. You'd find a little. If that's if the fields were flooded and all that, facilities yeah. have come on a long way. But you was either ankle deep in mud, and that's how it's when it got when it got frozen uh, and the pitch got frozen. Then you was in the in the car park, which was just probably the same as I said, playing on a frozen pitch. And it was it was just do your do your best back then. It was yeah, great memories of. Uh, so it was a great club, Juju Moore, uh, growing yeah. up and. You know, made some friends there that made for life, really. Suppose if you were on the car park, mate, you know it was second pass rather than you down the ups and that, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes they're toughen you up with a bit of contact on the car. That's how you toughen them up in the old days. Yeah. Full contact, playing like bulldog games, like bulldog and all that in the car park, and just <laughs> someone who just get ankle tapped and scrape the knees and uh, face you know, full of stones. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and trying not to cry in front of your mates and, and all that. That was. Uh, that was the sessions back then and just yeah, smashing tackle bags on, on Morrison's car park. Oh, you don't make them like you use anymore, mate. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, glorifying it a little bit there, yeah. Maybe it's like when, 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 old, when old people always talk about the old days, how it was tuppling our day Sounding yeah. like your dad now, yeah. <laughs> Before you get banned for throwing a shoulder in, mate. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. So do you know the uh, your town team back? Did you have a town team, Danny? And what was the process for you? In the in town teams, it was all yeah. yeah we had the uh, heavy woolen was the district that we right. played in there, um, which got selected. And we also had like the schools competition, which like Jewsbury and Batley schools 
which yeah. were again was very similar to like the heavy woolen that you played, played district competitions. And I thought it was fantastic. It was it was great. There's so many looking back at Jewsby's just quite quite a small town, really, but Jewsby and Batley close together. But you look back at how many junior clubs were actually in that small space. There must have been like five junior clubs then. You know, yeah. Thornhill, you had Shaw Cross, you had St John Fisher, which is now Jewsby Celtic, and Batley Boys, all these, all these teams just um, within a small kind of um, small northern town. So there was a lot of lads playing the game to get picked from and you know your selection to probably get you'd have local cups where you had like five or six teams competing. So in every year from from probably like you know under nines, under tens, yeah. you'd have you'd have your your town team, which was like your heavy woman or your Jews in Battle schools. That uh, sometimes they'd have trial days where they got like 40, 50 lads of the best lads down there and, and they play some games and then select off the back of that. Or I think it was just kind of you know, coaches putting in their their thoughts and who should get picked, and, and the teams went from there. Really, yeah. Right. So while we're on that, mate, putting your coaching out on just for two minutes, what? How do you feel about that selection process? Because obviously back then it was it was like 40, 50 kids rocked up. Mm. You, your names were on a board. I'm guessing weren't in three or four teams. You had like a little yeah. bit to think. Is that something yeah. you think? Should still carry on because I don't know about uh, up, like up York and that, but in witness now. They have like just one big team and they split them and play each other. It's not really the schools rugby there anymore, is to Right. Yeah, man, I, I, I loved it. I thought it was a yeah. fantastic. You know, you, you got them. You had them kind of steps in, in, uh, in playing up a little bit. You had your, you had your, your club side, which you know was all your mates, and then the yeah. levels went up when you played for you know your Jewish and Batley schools. You went and played Leeds, Wakefields. You know, sometimes you go play in Lancashire or Hull, and and that standard was just so much. So much higher than what you was used to. You playing against better players, which is only only a good thing. Um, yeah. You know, selection process. You know, there was times when I missed out on being selected, and you know that's that's quite tough as a you know 11, 12 year old kid when you when you yeah. go to a trials day and you miss out. It can be can be quite upsetting. So, mm. but you know, it's dealing with that adversity and learning that sometimes you're going to get knockbacks. I suppose is. Is a good thing. I think it's not a bad thing that I got turned away from 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 schoolboys from like representing the town at times because you, yeah. you've got it's not all playing sailing and I think kids and kids need to learn that to have that resilience and, and, and all that of getting knocked back and, and then coming back the next year and trying out again and getting selected and yeah. I thought it was a it was a pretty decent process really. Yeah, so it's something that you didn't didn't put you off. So you did keep, you did come back again, did you, once you've been... 100%, yeah. Yeah, 100%, yeah, that's what you did. You went back to your club side and you continued playing. You just, you just didn't get to... Same with, like, when it was... From, from like, Jews and back to schools, then you went to get, um, like, Yorkshire. That that was the next step up. So you got selected for Yorkshire. You played against Lancashire and you played against Humberside. And that was that next level up. So, um, and then from there, it was, like, England schoolboys. So there was always kind of a, a, a next level up, which... I said, sometimes I'd get through that process. Sometimes I did well, and and other times I didn't. But it never, it never really put me off. I'd be upset for that day, or you'd be a bit gutted when you saw your mates going and playing that weekend um, in representative games or something. That's what you know. You'd be a bit jealous in that sense. But it never, never quite put me off. You knew that that was that was a game, and and you just work hard and, and try and get back in last time. But let's say you, you've got to learn about taking setbacks and, and, and realising that it's not the end of the world just because you've had 
had one knock back there. You, you know, that pathway to to um, representative, even at a young age, you know, it's not smooth. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing to learn that at a young age. <clears throat> yeah, because a lot of the time you're playing against them lads anyway, just scattered across clubs, like you said, aren't you? So you sort of know where you're that there yeah. and about, don't you? You know whether yeah. you're capable. Yeah you, yeah, you know how well your your own team were performing each year. You know, we we played with the same group of lads, you know, from from under nines, give or take, like some lads dropped out, some lads yeah. came in, but there was like, there was a core of them from you know under nines to under sixteens, and same with all the other big teams, it was always kind of in the top top division, but we were never quite the top team in that top yeah. division. You know, we got to, to like the Yorkshire Cup final, I think once like under 15 level, but we were never, we were always around that like top four, top five. So yeah. we knew the standard of them other lads, them other lads then you'd come across playing for Leeds, playing for Bradford schools and, and sometimes you'd play with them for Yorkshire and things. So it was, it was great environment to then go, you know, you, you'd be, you'd be coming up against these lads who you, you all knew, everyone had reputations around, there was good players and, Oh, Stanley's got you know so and so playing for him, and they're going to be a tough game. Stanley's got these, and, and then you come together and, and you you get the chance to play with them for Yorkshire, and it was fantastic. Then you got to know a new bunch of lads, and and you had to raise your game to play with these better players as well. So yeah, it's all all part of fantastic experience. I just yeah, I loved, there seemed to be a lot of that at, at that in that era, like the you know early nineties of of them yeah. rep sides. You, Remember when the uh, you know the old curtain raiser before the Challenge Cup final, wasn't it? That were always schoolboys. It was, uh, yeah. We, we yeah. and Batley schools went the year after. I think I was eligible, but the, um, in the year before and the year after they went and played at played at Wembley. So it was gutted that, that should have just had a shot. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I got this old since I was about thirteen as well. So. <laughs> but that it was again just so just something like that was really yeah. special at, at that age group to. To represent your side and be a curtain raiser at a cup final as well. It all you know got spoke about every year and, and yeah, we just made it all all the more special. Yeah. So how was your transition into high school, mate? Was it easier through the rugby, did you think? Or um we didn't we didn't play rugby league at high school, which is we we played we had a teacher who liked rugby union, which is crazy because in in Jewsbury it was just football wasn't even an option in Jew, in Jewsbury. It was it was rugby league or nothing like I said I spoke about all them all them clubs who were around the area, you know, five or six junior sides. And yeah. then we this the high school I went to Wells Eaton High School in, in Jewsbury that I kind of sports teacher, PE teacher there liked he liked football and they liked rugby union. So right. uh, I mean the transition into school was great where everyone just loved loved PE no matter no matter what unless it was cross country. That day, you know, when you know when the, when the teachers have a day off when they must have been yeah. out on a on a teacher's do the night before, and you think, right, well, just let's make them do cross country today, yeah. and let them run around school. Apart from that, I, I just I just love PE. It was it yeah. was great. Um, so football, rugby union, but we just because our rugby rugby union then as team were just full of league lads, so we'd just basically turn it into turn it into a game of rugby league, which which annoyed the teacher. So we yeah. were just playing like there was no one like contesting any rooks or anything like that. We just off one off the floor and away we go. So yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. uh, it, wind him up, but we just yeah we just because we we all just played league. We all, whether it was for yeah. Shawcross or Jude Mall, we were just a just a school full of league lads. So yeah, we we just turned it into our however we liked, and I was a yeah fat little 
fat little 12, 13 year old, but I stuck myself in at fly half because I knew how to play. That's right. Rugby, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll put myself at fly half and rugby, yeah. you know, scrum half and uh, away we go. Let's just play like play like league. Yeah. Captain and kicker, mate. I'll just... That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Standard, yeah. yeah. Made myself a big armband for me, a big black armband. Which, uh, how that did you find it, just... though? What? How did you find you... it? Did it, yeah. Yeah, we enjoyed it really. I say yeah. we we was all right as long as we was out, uh, not in lessons. We we loved whatever sport we could. It was the same shape ball and and same kind of skills we was playing. So yeah, it was it was all right. And I think we ended up just getting his getting the kind of his parents onto onto the school to see if we could play league. And that took took a while to. I remember it took uh, while we just just campaign kind of the school to to, to let us play league. Because that's right. all we did, and eventually I think we started playing league there. But it was towards the back end of of my time at school. Then was, so we was never you had that did... team. We never had that kind of school team that got into like school terms. I think that's yeah. that's a good thing now that you know being involved. And you see like the national schools cup and things like that. Where I've gone to gone to coach a few teams down south down here who were like in the quarterfinals, semi-finals at a national schools comp, and that's that's a fantastic, you know, competition. Now. So yeah, I'm a bit yeah. jealous that we never got a chance to to play in any kind of competition rugby league because we'd have had a pretty decent team and yeah. kind of, uh, in high school. Yeah. Right. Would Would rugby union ever once you'd had a goal? Was it always going to be league for you growing up, or would yeah, you have considered? Yeah, was it? Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, like saying Jewsby, they were just like said football wasn't even an option. In Jews, right. it was either you played, you played rugby league, or God, nothing. That was it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you were, you were in there. You just stood in. You were in there, or you played rugby league, or you went and stole cars or something like that. Or both. Or No, no, that's a bit harsh. No, no, you, you, that, that's what I mean. It was, it was rugby yeah. league. Or, there was that many teams in the town, and was. And uh, being quiet, you know, you know, in the famous like Jews beside and that there on your doorstep, that was right next to my school. Was the old old Crown Flats was was right next to daughter to where we went to school. So it was um, that's always brought up on uh, around that area. So Union, I don't even I wouldn't even know where the local Union Club was to to where right. we all lived and played. Yeah. Yeah. All right, mate. So what what rep opportunities come your way through high school then? Because you've obviously had to fight your way in the system, haven't you? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, I said the Jews been back the schools was 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 most years. Same with Edward Woolen there. They had a competition, and, and we do we do quite well out of that. You know, the teams that we could put together from from that local area was pretty strong. And then I think I got selected for like Yorkshire, um, at like under under fourteens, fifteens, and sixteens. So it took me a while to I kept getting knocked back and, and not getting selected for for Yorkshire up until about under fourteens, fifteens. And right. then um, yeah, we went and you know we played. They were fantastic. They were they were just great. at the time. It felt like that level was just so elite. You're coming up against like the best players in Lancashire and the best players from Yorkshire. All these lads who, who you played against week in week out, and you played like over like a three a three match series, which was yeah. was fantastic. And then yeah, that was that was as kind of high as I got rep wise. I didn't make the England schools in the sixteens. Right. I think they normally you know go to France and things like that. Yeah, but yeah that was as, as high as I got in the in the schools, and I didn't really have much um, sport going like rugby league at school. Yeah, it was all just through my local local club and local organisation. How was it in a new environment as a kid, Dan? Was it something you strived at or 
I think it was pretty good. Yeah, I think um, I've been a bit, um, bit shy in, in in when I was younger, and yeah. it took me a while to come out of my shell. But it was good to just be thrown into them. You had, you had no choice but to get in and and um, and, and make the best of, of them. You know, you, you got to put in with new lads and there might be more dominant voices or more dominant people, big characters in. In uh, in youth sport there, and yeah, I think I was, I was good. I had a good bunch of mates, and we all knew each other as well. So yeah, it is a bit nerve wracking at first when you go into a new new environment, but uh, yeah, you, you learn from it every time, and, and you get better. Yeah, right. So do you know with you with you breaching breaching into the Yorkshire team, at, at, like without being horrible to kids and all that, it or it used to be that age group you're in it now, fourteen to sixteen tends mm. to be what matters, isn't it? You know, when it comes to club circle, did you give yeah. yourself an inkling that that could come about a bit more realistic for you? Or I think so, yeah. Like, as kids, you kind of... There was, there was lads getting signed, at, you know, you know, 13 years old, 14 okay. years old, um, for, you know, your Wiggins and your Leeds as we're signing kids on at that age. So you, yeah. you started to, to realise then at that age that, that that could be the next step. Um, going to you know professional clubs, signing a professional yeah. contract, going to play academy football, um, and then you knew that scouts would always be kind of like these Yorkshire Lancashire games. That's where the old school scouts stood there in the sheepskin coats and, uh, yeah. and sing, <laughs> cigars. Smoke, yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's, it's exactly like it was in a nice old big old four Cortina, just rock up in a sheepskin coat. That is it. Yeah, and, and everyone kind of knew. Who the scouts were from these big yeah. clubs, and um, and that's where they knew they'd be at these at the at the county games. So you right. know you tried to get into them, and then put your name, put your put your face forward for play best best football, so you could so you could get into um, hopefully you know get get yourself signed yeah. up by by a professional club. Yeah. So again, just putting your coaching hat on, mate. Well, because you've been at the elite level, both playing and coaching. How have you seen them types of systems change? How you how you find that next gem? How how do you go about that? And how much has it changed from the Cartinas um, and <laughs> Benson is just yeah. um, I don't know whether I mean I don't know if too much has changed. I mean scouts or coaches still know the game very, very well. You know, some yeah. amazing scouts who would watch, you know, hundreds of games each year, just be out on that field every, every Saturday, Sunday morning, scanning over kids. And it's just evolved, really. You've still got, still got people out there in the community looking at these and then, you know, coming into playing in scholarship, um, you know, coming into a scholarship programme and, and trial games. I think, you know, it's, it's evolved. And it's, it's at a good point now with the scholarship programme. I think it's, yeah. it's fantastic that, you know, clubs have these... Um, whether it's, it gives players and juniors, you know, chances, uh, whether it's one night a week to train in that kind of environment with um, with club court, you know, club coaches linked yeah. to, to your Super League sides and, and, you know, potentially, you know, training in the gym of, of what to do, advice on nutrition, all this kind of advice on what to do off the field as well. Yeah, your recoveries uh, and stuff. Yeah, it, it's yeah. so important, I think, um, you know, it's... It's probably a shame, you know, if lads do miss out on that, that they can't take these clubs can't take, you know, every lad into into these systems. But you know, I don't know what the answer is for, for making sure everyone kind of gets access to, yeah. to that kind of uh, platform. Well, you'll upset someone, won't you? So if you take everyone on, 
the grassroots yeah. club struggle, don't they? If you don't take enough on, it's like you're not looking. Yeah, it's, that that yeah. that is um, that is hard, you know. If uh, you know the grassroots that are affected by by lads going and playing in scholarship games, and then you know when when lads go to to academies that that, that affects, then you know you're under 18s local competition as well. If they can't, yeah. they're not allowed to go play in the junior game. It, it, it it's quite hard, especially. Like I say I was speaking to somebody at the weekend about it. Uh, at um, the local junior club down here about how that affects because there's not as many well, there is a lot of kids playing down here but then if a lot go into kind of that Bronco setup then it does yeah. have it does have an effect on that under 18s competition as a whole down here that, that they can't go play for the, the community club and mm. if the academy's not got a game that weekend that technically they're not allowed because they signed up so it has yeah okay. I don't know what whether there is a perfect scenario that you've got them in because if they, if they go play from a community club and they get injured then they can't play for the academy set up then you're in a sticky position as well yeah so when did clubs start circling you Dan and when was you made aware of it and how did he um, approach you I think it was like just uh, probably around the under 15s mark under 14s under 15s that again playing playing for the counties uh, that, yeah. that there was yeah scouts from different teams there and uh, and just yeah, just approach us and, and approach your parents really, or speak to your parents after the game, and and then just give give that interest from from certain clubs, and then if they wanted to take it further, either either that club had trial days, or um, you know if they wanted to just offer you a contract, they'd invite you in and, and sit you down with your parents, and and kind of put it to you in in that way really. So that's right. when I kind of noticed that like about 15, 15 years old, yeah. And when and when did you you go and have them look around all them trial days? Um, we had one. I kind of went, yeah, about about fifteen years old. I was went to Jewsbury, my, my local local town, uh, Fenston, yeah. who were in the top division. Then they were interested in, in signing me, so me my dad was actually coach Fenston at the time. But yeah, and then and then Leeds Leeds had the Leeds had a trial day. They they brought they. They used to do it. They used to do like a, a weekend up at Carnegie uh, College, okay. where you'd, you'd go in, you'd train, and uh, you'd stay in like the student accommodation for the night, and then you'd have um, you'd have a trial game on the on the Sunday. Uh, so Leeds invited they, they invited lots of players out of that like county championship and any yeah. other lads who, who they'd seen on the local kind of um, who'd be seen, and they'd invite down, and you do you do some testing. Just some some fit, basic fitness testing skills, things like that on the Saturday, and then you'd uh, yeah you play play a trial game against each other on Sunday, and then I think out of that, then that's when they offered us kind of um, a contract that they wanted to they, they made it clear then to my parents that they'd, they'd want to sign us. So yeah, that was a that was a good one. But yeah. we're, we'd all we'd been training and all that, and we was only like 15, 15, 16 years old, probably like fifteen. Yeah. And we'd we been up and it's in Headingley is the Carnegie College is like in right. in Headingley. So it was Saturday night, it was all staying in the the, the student digs and was only fifteen years old. I thought, right, well, come on, let's have a we'll have a wonder down into to Headingley, see what's happening, see if we yeah. get like uh, a beer or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um yeah, we about yeah, a bunch of us just thought sneak out. It's it's only 
It's only a trial game for Leeds Rhinos next day. It's not anything yeah. important. This is how mad you are as a kid. So we've got, yeah. <laughs> well, come on, we'll, we'll try and sneak into a pub, see if we can get like a pint of beer and like you do when you're 15. Yeah. Put, put on your dad's voice like that and have two pints, <laughs> two pints of bitter. With your scale pants and shoes uh, on. <laughs> that was like. And then literally we went into, I remember like it was yesterday, I went into three horseshoes in Emily. Gone to the bar about five or six was turned around and it was all like the lead staff was all <laughs> directly staring at us like like you're saying the all, all right lads like that they would come out for a beer all the coaches who've been on the day <laughs> and we were stood there like 15 years old on this uh you know rhinos training camp but just trying trying to order beers in his in, in, in his school pants and shoes <laughs> on a Saturday night night before you know, we had the we had the trial the next day so <laughs> Yeah, uh, we we went back with his tail between his legs back to the digs and, and got his head down and uh yeah, tried to tried to brush that one on the carpet, but it turned out <laughs> all right. I, I played well yeah. in the game, they played well in the game the next day, and then off the back of that, yeah, Leeds uh, spoke to us about about signing us on for the uh, the academy and giving us a contract. What do you say? I keep the million quid, I'll prove myself just gives nine hundred thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all like that, yeah. 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 Yeah, your dancing shoes must have been good as well, eh? <laughs> Not too bad, yeah. <laughs> kickers, pair of kickers, school. Uh, that was the, that's what everyone had, wasn't it? Kickers, right? It was, yeah. yeah. Well, the Doc Martin period, and then uh, yeah, everyone was in the in the kickers or the dockers, yeah. Yeah. Standard. So what what were the options? You know, when you've signed your your academy deal, so mm. is there like uh, like the the YTS involved, or did he find you a job? Yeah, or? it was. Um, it was all the apprenticeship scheme that, yeah. that you got. That's what it. That's what it was back then. You know, I think it was like you got paid. You got paid. You got. You signed a, a contract with with um, with a club, um, and then yeah, you got with part of the apprenticeship scheme. You got like about forty pound, forty pound a week. It was, and, and you bus right. pass, and and then you came in, but you you were full-time then in a sense you came in it you, you were able to I left school at 16 in yeah. June or July and then went straight on to to this scheme where you do you did college one day a week say we did college on a Wednesday yeah. um, like a it was something like a, an MBQ in leisure something like that and then on the other days you were able to just train in the morning there was about probably like 15 of us on the scheme there was other lads in the academy who came in on the night time they went to college but we were all thick yeah. ones who Big ones who just wanted to, <laughs> to play rugby. So it was great. Yeah. It was just fantastic. You got great coaches. You know, we had people like Dean Bell and Paul Daly who were coaches back then for the academy and would, would do your weights, train on the field. And then the afternoon you went out coaching in schools. So, you know, you jumped in your car and they give you a school that you did a six-week block in um, on the on every other day, apart from Wednesday, where you, where you coach for an hour in the school. And it was, yeah. again, it was fantastic. So... Between about fifteen, you was you was hitting about five or six five schools in an afternoon, um, and it was good for our development that we was coaching. You know, primary school, junior school yeah. kids, basics of rugby league. Um, you had like a plan where week one you were teaching passing, teach two, you know, you might be teaching tackle, and you put it all together and had a tournament on week six. So it was um, a great learning experience, and yeah, again, just being around, you know, sixteen, seventeen year old lads who just playing rugby on a, on a morning, coaching in the afternoons. It was, a, it was a great system to be involved in and yeah, some of the best times of, uh, of my life was in, on that. Uh, imagine, mate. Yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic, yeah. That's it. A bit of money in your pocket. You've got your stash on, haven't you? And 
Well, that was it. You got yeah. like you, you went from school to getting forty pound a week, and it was paid weekly then. So it was yeah. it was fantastic. You was like yeah, you're like a a weekend millionaire on that Friday, yeah. and you got paid. You was you was like cash all over. Prince elite, yeah. Oh, it was awesome. Like, it was awesome. <laughs> but it felt like from going to school to having forty pound in your pocket, it was awesome. Yeah. By Monday, Tuesday, he was back making your own pack lunches and scrimping <laughs> and saving. But you only had about three days to wait until you got paid yeah. again on the Thursday or Friday. So it was, uh, yeah, brilliant. That rest of the week was just like a pauper. But uh, yeah, <laughs> you don't have much to worry about there. You slip your mum a yeah. couple of board and that was it. Yeah. yeah. Your travel was taken care of and away you go. Yeah. Class. How did you find Academy Rugby, mate? Was it, again, was it a step up again? Yeah, yeah, it was. Again, every every step in Scotland then is just next level up, you know. Yeah. The academy was fantastic. It, we, we had a, you know, good coaches then, good side, you know, like Kev Sinfield's in there, Gaz Carvel, all these players were, were unbelievable um, academy side. And uh, we won the, won the competition, you know, pretty much every year then back then at Leeds. And yeah, yeah it was just a great step up. It, you know, teams like Wigan and Saints and Hull just all had unbelievable academy teams. Um, well, Julian, you're just coming up against the best teams week in, week out, which is only good for your development. You're getting coached well, you know, things like that, video review and all that were kind of coming in then and, and being able to watch your games back and just have that hands-on. And sometimes you train first team as well with the first team lads and be able to train alongside, you know, international, you know, like yeah. Matt, that's hilarious. So it was, um, it was, a, it was a great time and great. <clears throat> what I loved about that, like, the academy always played before the first team as well. Like there were always curtain raises back then, so we'd always yeah. play, you know, Friday, Friday night about five o'clock, and then you know, come the end of the game when the ground was filling up with with Leeds fans or and the, the opposition, you know, it was a Massive, it felt like a massive crowd there. You're playing on the, did, on the yeah. same field, so it was just great experience for for um, put you in good stead for for when you went on to make you know your first team debuts and play play first team because you'd already kind of been in that environment and, and experienced it to to an extent. Yeah, so do you know why you you popping in and out of schools and then you're playing because you you you're beginning to play on the big stage, like you said, the the fans are crawling in. But as you'll go on, because of how how good you were. Just with the start of that golden generation academy wise at least. Mm. Is it are you are you knowing or do you think that you've began your coaching journey back then? So you're learning how to handle yourself, you're learning how to be around internationals, you're in mm. and out of schools coaching youngsters. So not yeah. only are you playing, you're rugby smart to getting better and better. Yeah, as well as yeah, your ability, yeah. aren't they? At the time, at the time I didn't notice that. Now yeah. looking back, you do that all them experience have been being thrown into into schools and just like being able to communicate. Communication is massive, isn't it? Just yeah. for anyone who's a 16, 17 year old, you know, try, sometimes you're trying to hold a conversation with a 16, 17 year old, it's painful. They can't, yeah. <laughs> they, they can't communicate on the phone. They're struggling. They, yeah. they're, they're talking, but then you, you, were, you were 16, 17, you were thrown in, you had to go, you know, speak to teachers, introduce yourself to the school, headmistress, all this, introduce yourself. You know, so school is talking assemblies, um, all these little little things that we was having to do. You know, present to, to kids in assemblies, um, teach them, talk to them, and you know, it's it's hard. I, I struggle talking to, to my kids at that age sometimes. Yeah. But you have you've got a classroom full of them all going mental, all just kicking balls and throwing balls all over, and you having to try and 
try and teach them things and, and, yeah. and, and go to their level and where they're at. And, and it, yeah, all them tools there. And looking back now, it was, it was fantastic experience for a, a learning experience for me as a person as well, just to be able to communicate. Um, like I said, I was more shy as a, as, a, as a youngster. I was shy in them, them situations, as we, as we said earlier, but you have to you have to learn and you have to kind of come out yourself a lot. Yeah, better sink or swim in it. Yeah, it yeah. is, yeah, yeah. It, it is that. You just get thrown in and, and yeah, it was it was do your best. But it was right, so great fun. Good, because you, you've you've sort of like, you've, you've not really, you're a bit modest for me. So you got like Alliance player of the year, didn't you? Before you established yourself. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, you got I got that and the academy player of the year, I think. Yeah. yeah. So what what does that do for you as you're on the brink, which you, which you were without knowing it probably? Yeah, it gives you it gives you confidence. Definitely gives you gives you that confidence that that you've had a good season. You know, feedback then from your coaches. And I think as a kid, you yeah, you certainly as you grow older and you realise that awards are. The be all and end all the individual awards are, but I think as a youngster, it's hard, it's hard not to be excited. I remember getting you know, play of the year when I was like 13, 12, 13. It was, it was awesome, you know, it was brilliant, yeah. a brilliant feeling. So, to get recognized then when you're, when you're making your way in academy, it is, it is nice, it is nice. As like I said, as you get older, you realize that it probably it's not all it is, and yeah. you don't care about kind of the individual accolades or praise, then it's all about the team. but Back then, yeah, it gives you that confidence that you're doing well, you know, the feedback from your coaches um, and your teammates, you know, know that you're on that on that right track, yeah. Did you ever doubt yourself, Dan? Or was, did, All the time, was that, yeah. Did you? Yeah. All the time, yeah. I still doubt myself, yeah. Doubt myself now, I doubt myself from, from coaching, doubt myself, yeah, as a, as a parent, as a husband, yeah. as a person. I think that, that right. that's... I'm not saying massively, but I think yeah. we all have them doubts every every day. Of, am I doing the right thing? And could I be better at this? And and it's it's learning how to channel that doubt and you know to to deal with it and and not be too harsh on yourself, be too critical of yourself. And I've been before, like in the coaching journey, playing journey, that you are really really critical of yourself, yeah. and you know, people say you're, you know, your own biggest critic. But it's learning how to how to move on from mistakes. We all make mistakes and, and recognize, I think recognizing them, you know, is, is the first step. But then knowing how to how to deal with them, make sure that you get better. And, and just I think just having that mindset to get to get better every day, um, no matter what you've what you've done, whether that good or the mistakes you made, know the areas that you need to improve and and strive to strive to get better. So you know that doubt gets gets less and less. And as you've got older, have you learned to, to lean on people for that? As much as um, you can still do it yourself, do you reach out? I think so, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's, there's, yeah, I think, yeah, certain certain age or certain stage of my life, you know, you, you don't like asking for advice or yeah. you see it as, as a weakness. Um, but, yeah, the more the more you, you're open to that and realise that you haven't gotten all the answers, <clears throat> whether that's certainly as a coach, you know, I, I, I never go into... To environment and think that I I know best here, lads. I know best. You can do it my way, and, and, and my way is the right way. I, you know, I speak to I like to speak to players all the time. You know, all the staff, the coaches get their advice on things because you know I'm well aware that I don't have all the answers. And I think so if someone can can go into an environment that kind of hold their hands up and admit that, and then just uh, get everybody to 
to put into the to the pot and everybody to just fire their ideas and, and, and their knowledge and what they can do well and, and again that's getting the best out of everybody that you've got it's getting the best out of the players then it's getting the best out of your own staff and trusting trusting what you've got there that that, that everyone can can add something and, and me being open you know leaving me ego at the door there that I can I can ask people for advice and um and, and take it on board and learn from everybody around me, whether that's a player or a coach or, or anyone for that matter. Yeah, and it encourages big buy-in as well, mate. Doesn't it? If they see that you're a bit vulnerable, they're happy to be vulnerable, I suppose. 100%, that, that, yeah, that, we, yeah. All need to, we all need to be uh, a bit vulnerable at times, but, you know, all of that all of that psychological safety in the environment where we, where we can, you know, stick his hand up, get, get, get an answer wrong or, you know, say something in a team meeting with without that, you know, that, that worry that you're going to get the mic taken out, you or shouted at, or, or you know, call call thick, anything like that. We, we all, you know, you just hold hands up, know that we all haven't got the answers, but we work hard to improve everyone every day, and everyone's got got that safety to open up, be vulnerable. But again, if you've got the attitude to the mentality to to work on, on everything and, and keep improving and, and be open to it. You know, you, you're going to have massive improvements in everything you do and everyone's going to work together to get the absolute best out of out of the team. Is that something you've seen a big change in, Dan, as you've gone through the playing and coaching? Probably, I think so, yeah. You go from yeah. different areas, don't you? And, you know, yeah. it, was, it was quite, you're looking back to when I started, it was, yeah, it was quite, quite old school and, you know, there wasn't, Team meetings back then were all on a all on a video VHS that you had to rewind by pressing the button. <laughs> it wasn't as yeah. as smooth, so there wasn't much um, interaction um, in, in things back then. It was probably certain coaches were a little bit more. This is my way, you know. This is how we're going to do things, and and as it's, I'm mean, not saying there's a there's a right or a wrong way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Find out what's what works for you and what works for the people that are around you. But yeah, working with with different when I, my kind of coaching journey started with the under-15s at, at London, you know, I did the under-15 scholarship and the under-16s and going from from playing, you know, elite level at, at Super League to then going and having to coach under-15s who were nowhere near kind of the knowledge or the uh, rugby experience that I had and what I was used to around me on a daily basis, then you, all of a sudden you've got to, you've got to adapt, learn what you you learn what you're working with and, and, and help them in a way that you've not had to before. So it's um, lots of different environments and coaching styles that you pick up along the way that that, that, that help develop that and and make you able to, to coach to kind of the, the level that you've got. But it has changed quite a lot over 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 my time, yeah. I think because it, it went from started at that start the Super League era, you know, in 1996 and, and all the kind of changes that went in it. It had only been probably full-time professional five or six years before then. So the games come on so much in the coaching and, and everything, the resources that go into running a team now are, are so much better than, than what it was before because it's just evolved. Yeah. Right, mate. So how, how was you introduced into your first team debut and... How was you told and how was that week building up to a game? If you'd had a week sometimes it's a day before, isn't it? Yeah, do you know what? I can't I can't remember how I was I was told or yeah. I know Graham Murray was the coach. It was at Leeds um in nineteen ninety nine. I was I was eighteen years old and 
And I think, you know, I found out I found out quite early in the week. I know that she had a, had a full yeah. week to, to prepare. Um, it was, yeah, unbelievable. Like I say, you, you, you'd, I'd been, I'd been in our, I'd been in the academy for a few years, started training up at first team uh, the year before. And then, um, yeah, was was given a, given a chance by by Graham Murray, who was an unbelievable coach, and he came in and, and really changed Leeds' fortunes around. Really, kind of uh, took them forward as a club and as a team, and yeah, just being able to to train with them boys on a daily basis and, and learn from such great coaches was, was good in itself. But then you had to be told that you're gonna you're gonna make your debut. It's kind of what it's all about. It's what you've dreamed about since since being a kid. So it was. Pretty special. We had so many good players around around me back then. You know, it was um, it, it was easy to keep your feet on the ground, easy to keep focused on your job. So I'd like, like I said, quality players like in my position, like Barry McDermott and Darren Flaherty, and then yeah. you know, Carshare as a seven, like seventeen, eighteen, were like Franny Cummings and Ryan Sheridan, and players like this who were massively experienced by the time I made my debut. So you know, it was Carshareing with them every day and, and just picking up. Things off them, good and bad, and uh, you know, it was kept me grounded. It was like yeah. an apprenticeship. You get, you get you get done and done by the older lads, and and uh, they're always they're always at you. But uh, it, it was great to have them them players yeah. around you. Brilliant, uh, mate. Do you remember much about the game? I know oh, was actually, it was. Yeah, it was Sheffield. Yeah. We played Sheffield away, so Sheffield then obviously in the Super League. It was at, at Don Valley Stadium, and. Um, yeah, we. I think I think we won. I, think we, I can't remember who won or lost. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a whirlwind. Came on, came on as a sub at prop, and uh, yeah, it was quite a hot summer's summer's night. It, like so being you know from the start of Sky's coverage and you know, a couple yeah. of years into the Super League, so it was yeah, it was unbelievable. I think I went on to play about three games, got another couple of games that year, and then you know seven or eight the year after yeah so it was like a nice slow uh, progression to, yeah. to, to first team in, in that environment so I'm quite sentimental mate so I had to keep jerseys programmes whatever is that something you're into or yeah, it, I always, yeah. yeah I keep a lot of me well if I don't I don't have my debut shirt I don't know where that is I don't it was a um, I think it was like the white away kit. I don't know. Yeah, sister, bully it off you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I never, never got it. And I, I don't yeah. think I oh, ever right. got that at the end of the year. I don't. Yeah. Sometimes like they'd, they'd raffle off shirts and things at the end of the year. Yeah. And I can't. But most of the times you get given yours. But back then I can't. Don't have. I don't have more. I have most of my shirts are still in me. Still in my mum's in my wardrobe. She's been pestering me, tempting my wardrobe since I moved out <laughs> about twenty. 20 years ago <laughs> still, yeah. still all cluttered and uh, in all gear but um, yeah they're all I do keep some programmes from, from early days and VHS as well I've got like them games yeah. recorded from Sky I think Brilliant. I probably had my debut game somewhere because it was a Sky game not on yeah. VHS not that I've got anything to play on these days but yeah, uh, yeah no it's still a class yeah, I don't know if my debut one is but if anyone's got I think I'd have been number 29 I think it was a white White Rhino's kit, where I think he had red, like a stripe down the side, and uh, yeah. I think it would have been number 29. If anyone's got so, that. if anyone's got it, yeah, give you the shout. If anyone's got yeah. that, yeah, give me a shout. Be nice to know yeah. where it actually is, yeah. <laughs> so, is your submitted squad numbers then, was yours? Yeah, it was all squad yeah. numbers, yeah. So right. I think it was 20, 29 when I made my debut, yeah. That's not a bad number for a, for a young lad, though, is it? 
Yeah, it wasn't too, wasn't too bad, really. Maybe yeah. the were a little bit smaller, but yeah, every year they kind of take, take you know, four or five academy lads at like 18, 19, they take them up into yeah. the first team where they train train every day and then we're in the first team and you do your two years apprenticeship scheme as it was when you yeah. were 16, 17, 18 you, you get if you either you know went into either the reserves played just reserves part time or you you made that step up to first team and that's what you know lucky enough to do that year yeah How did you find it with your only playing and for games for the first two years as like, like you said that right, nice yeah. introduction yeah, was your back and two Um. Like out of reserve grade, was you like in and, yeah. in and out? Yeah, yeah, so the, the reserves were, then it was, I mean, probably was still enough then to, to play academies because academy was 19, so sometimes you play academy on a, on a on a Friday night, you might play reserves the following week and you yeah. were just between between the two. Sometimes you could play reserves on a Thursday and academy on a Sunday and you play two games a week and um, that was great. Yeah, that was great because you. But when you called and didn't didn't feel I know. it, I know. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, you could play play a game every day back then, couldn't yeah. you? But not not now. But it was fantastic. You 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 still train with the first team every week. You you got you went to their games that you played. You know you played reserves, so you were still playing. You were still playing with other lads who were in that first team squad as well. I just thought it was a, it was a fantastic system. Yeah, it's like I say, it was a shame to see. That where the reserves has gone at the minute. Is, I don't yeah. Get it back this time. I do think it's so important to have that reserve team for them lads who are in between. So you can lose so many players. You can lose yeah. a generation of players by not having that reserves. Because I mean, yeah, there's dual reg and people send lads out on dual reg, but having that reserve team where he was, you know, 19 years old to maybe like 21, 22, where you were just playing week in, week out with lads you knew. In the systems yeah. that you know, with coaches you know, there'd be first team lads who weren't playing who'd be playing in there. There'd be academy lads stepping up, uh, you know, trialists who they bring in to have a look at, and it was a fantastic system that I just think there's so much value in the reserves. It's it's a shame to see when it's not up and running. Uh, I think it's so important that the game has that has that system in place. Yeah, I do myself because for listeners that might forget or aren't weren't old enough, the res- the re- reserves back then was. People that were coming back from injury, maybe people that weren't quite fitting or people that were out of favour, but mm. most of that team was the first team anyway, wasn't yeah. it? Just with a few yeah. young lads propping it, it up. It was, yeah. It was yeah. You, you could be 18 years old and you play against some absolute big hitters who were just coming back from injury from, you know, your Saints and your Wiggins. And yeah. An unbelievable experience to go play against against like real men um, mm. who had played, you know, 100, 200, super league games. You, you were playing against them at 18 years old, so you, you had to you had to up your game, and it tested you constantly in, in that environment. Yeah, it was fun, it was a fantastic system. Introducing you to the dark arts, was he? Plenty of that, yeah. yeah. Take advantage of young kid, yeah. Did you all did you play the same at Leeds, mate? So what? You had 19s reserves, first team player, similar shape and stuff. Yeah, it was all yeah. all kind of drip feed down. So it simplifies yeah. as you get. Get to That's lower level, it. but yeah, it was yeah. all kind of the same same players. So if you did train up, you did get the opportunity to train up at first team. You could slot right in because you knew mm-hmm. what was being called. So yeah, it was all yeah. very very similar back then. Yeah, in the same kind of ethos, same way that you wanted to play. You know, aggressive in D. That was uh, line speed. All that things was dripped down to you, the important stuff from from top to bottom. Yeah. Yeah. So you taught with GB Academy, didn't you? So I. I didn't, get did in, I didn't actually out? get into GB Academy. No. No, no, I got I got like into the 
I got in the initial squad of about 30. Yeah. But then, yeah, it got kind of cut from the final, like, 20 or 20 or okay. <clears throat> I think they went to France. Yeah. And, yeah, didn't, didn't quite make the final final squad that year. So, we got to, got to about right. that. Time. I'd had a really good year playing for the academy, but didn't get yeah. kind of in the, in the final squad, yeah. So, what, how do you use that to springboard to kick on or...? Do you sort of brush that off and just try and establish yourself again? Yeah, you just you use that hundred yeah. percent. You don't, I mean, it's not your main focus, but yeah, you you want to you want to prove yourself. You want. I thought yeah. I was good enough to. I saw lads who got picked in in my position, or I thought you know I was I was better better than yeah. and, and outperformed when I played in that year. So yeah, you are you are uh, upset, but you can't be too hung up on it but you just use it to drive you on you know to train yeah. hard to have a good pre-season to come back next year so if there's you know that, that next whether it was England in the 21s or or England there that you knew then when that when that time came that you, you were giving yourself the best foot for for getting in them squads so yeah back of your mind it, it, it did spur you on a bit it did drive you that, that you wanted to prove people wrong and use it you know yeah use it as, as fuel in that sense did you tour with the twenty ones? I did, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I got into the England and the twenty ones. Then I went to went to South Africa on that one, which yeah, was a, not a bad tour, that is it. You know, I dropped on some good <laughs> ones then. And that's England, <laughs> England, there went to Fiji and Tonga. The, I think that was the year after, but that England, yeah, twenty yeah, ones went to went to South Africa, which they were developing. Obviously, still a developing nation, rugby league. So yeah, yeah we um, we gave it right, tasting, <clears throat> but. Um, it was a great tour. Went for nearly like two weeks to to South Africa. It was an unbelievable experience for us. And, and there, yeah, you just just met up with um, there were quite a lot of leads lads on that tour. You know, like Chev and Danny Maguire, Rob Burrows, and, and and the players like that who were just breaking into first team at the time. And, and then some yeah. quality players also, like you know, Sean O'Rock and players like that were yeah. breaking into other <clears throat> other first teams. So it was it was pretty. Pretty solid team back then, and, and you know, decent country's club, is it? Good stuff, mate. So, when you're playing in the big games and the big occasions, mate, how do you approach them? Because as much as you want to say the cliche stuff, like it's just another week and it's just another <laughs> game, yeah. they're, they're not are <clears throat> No, no. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, good, yeah, you can feel it all though. You just concentrate just another game stuff. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not thought about it. It is. It's, it's, it's really exciting, especially like your you first, your first, you know, one or two. You know, when you get to either your first like any test matches or, or like cup finals, the yeah. they are special because you've got so much more going on. Like the press are all over. You know, you've got you know, press conferences and people at training. You might you know do different things. Go off site, you know, like there might be dues on at night time or something that, that like for sponsors and things like that. So, oh, you your kickers on and that, yeah, and it's it, it is, yeah, it, it can, it can affect you, but you just got to enjoy it. That's why you've got them experienced lads who've been there and done that before who just you know can talk to you all the way through it and say, you know, yeah, like don't get, don't get dragged into this, you know. That's, Make sure we're on for training tomorrow, or you know, if 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 press conferences or media days are dragging on too long, we'll just pull people away and say that's enough, and then just say we've got training tomorrow, we've got training this afternoon. Let's yeah. let's focus on that. So there was always lads who kind of been in that situation and were more experienced than you, who just kept you focused or told you what to expect. 
in in certain scenarios. That's the beauty of having you know all them levels of experience in 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 your team that, that you that you can turn to them and they can offer that advice as you get through. But I always found them really exciting weeks. Just always a little bit different. Always a bit of buzz about the place. Lads have a spring of the step in training and uh, it would do great to great to be a part of. Good stuff, mate. So you got selected for GB as well at the end of all four, didn't you? Yes, yeah, um, yeah. Um, in the Tri-Nations, yeah, so far it obviously been, been a fantastic year. We just won the grand final with Leeds for, for the first time and then, yeah, got got called up on, it was out on his man Monday, I think. When, when <laughs> so you probably didn't even believe the call, did you? <laughs> well, that was it, yeah. I probably hung up about twice. I think it was either Brian Noble or, or John Sharp was assisting yeah. the morning saying, oh yeah, it's, it's Brian Noble and then you just, like old school when your phone was about that big and you could all just get it in your the pocket. Break. Yeah. yeah, that was it, yeah. So didn't believe him because we were already probably about, you know, three hours into his, his uh, grand final celebration. Because yeah. they had to they had to get straight on with they were going away, I think, on the on the Tuesday on a on a camp in Spain. So they had to get right. you straight in. So they had to phone you straight away really because after the end of the season say so you've been selected. So yeah, that was that was unbelievable, yeah. You know, on, on the beers, knowing that was, well, I've got to be at Manchester Airport at a certain time tomorrow to go on training camp with GB. Like, no, no clothes packed or anything. I need the dog to sort out. I drop the dog off at my mum's to get baby started. <laughs> uh, all a bit of a whirlwind on the end of a fantastic year. But yeah, it was a great experience playing the, the Tri Nations were over here that year, you know, Australia, New Zealand, and managed to get you know, a game in, against New Zealand at Hull. Which was again just unbelievable experience to, to make your test debut and getting just them levels. You go from playing at Leeds and unbelievable players then to, to going into GB, which is the you know the absolute elite player me. in yeah. the comp. Yeah, like Andy Farrell and players like that. It was Paul Scullthorpe. It was absolutely next level, and the standard just goes up another notch every time you climb that kind of ladder. Yeah. So if we go back a little bit, mate, the playoff system is that summer. You're fond of, I know, for that fans, it's excitement. But how yeah. do you view, how do you view being probably the most consistent team and potentially losing in a semi? Is that something you're a fan? Oh, I love of? it. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I love the playoff system. Yeah. I think it just is what it is now. We just got used to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, we we. I love it. I think it, it does bring the game to a yeah, big. Yeah, I, I do. I think. Yeah, I think. It, I'd like the. Per, I mean, they've been changed, chopped and changed so many times, you know, yeah. top six, top five, top seven. So I, I'd like it to be, yeah, a little bit bigger if the league was bringing you yeah, the top eight, you know, similar yeah. to NRL. I think the NRL's fantastic where it's like top eight and it, yeah, it's yeah. different. If you lose a game, but if you come out, you have another life, so you go again. And you used to love that, you know, where if you lost your first game because you'd finished high, you went to go again that next week. Yeah. And the, the emotion of having to bring yourself up from from losing a game close to then trying to the, then knowing next next week you're in absolute knockout football there's no more lives yeah. and you've got you've got to win that, that that next game I just yeah I love the drama of it I, I'd like it to be I think it should be expanded like that top six top seven potentially and, and have more teams in it so you've got then teams fighting to get to get into that into playoff a, a little bit yeah. more yeah rather than I think at the minute with it's a top four or five you've kind of got that's boxed off with with um, you know plenty of time to spare, or you certainly yeah. mid table. Sometimes you just got nothing to play for the last five weeks of the season. But 
Yeah, no, I think it's good. It's just, just harsh if you, you know, the amount of times that, that you win a league leader shield and you don't go on to win the grand final. It's it's tough because, yeah, no one remembers who's won league leaders throughout the year. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Yeah. As much as it's fantastic getting a league leader shield, so you've been top of the tree for the, for the season, it means means absolutely nothing, really, unfortunately, no. when, when, the, when the last day comes. But I do think it's a great concept. I, I, I really love it. Yeah. yeah, and and just a little one for you, like is you've you've played like you just said then yeah you, some of the games if you finished like you've got that fall back haven't you mm. but say yeah. you were to how do you how do you get yourself to them levels every week what little things you'd have to do because we all know sometimes if you played the game even if it's football cricket whatever mm. it's hard to get up there again and again isn't it it's yeah not only like emotionally it's physically difficult. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, the the emotion of having you know must win games and it's tough. I suppose that's why that's why the best do it and do it well and be consistently yeah. good at it. I think you know you just commit to the process of making sure everything you're doing is geared towards that game, that game that week. So every ticking all the boxes all week. You're sleeping well. You're, you're hydrating yourself all week. You know you're eating well all week. Not just not just the odd days. Not just in the two days building up to the game. From that, from the end of the game that week, every day. Then you're recovering. You're swimming that next day, so you can go to sleep on a night. You can get up on the morning knowing that you've done everything you possibly can to put yourself yeah. in a good place at the weekend. And you do that then the next day and the next day. And you've just got to be just on the money with all that. And it's, you can be still, you can still be relaxed, but you yeah. relaxed because you know you've you've ticked all them boxes and everything you've done is just going towards that game each week. That is tough because mentally it is hard. If you if you lose a game as well, the, mm. the drain and the emotional uh, emotions that go into losing, especially a tight game, one of them playoffs where where you might lose by a couple of points, you, you might have come top of the tree and you might be at home and you expected to win all of a sudden. You think you're going to, you should be going to a grand final, but you've got to play off against third, fourth place team the week after in a, in a knockout game. It's yeah, it, it, that's the beauty of it, and that's that, that's um, the drama that comes with it, and the challenge of a, of a professional player to to raise the game, kind of put what's gone. You can't do anything about that now, so let's fully focus on that next week. You can't you can't worry about that game. You put it to bed when you reviewed it. So everything you do in that following week is just geared towards that 80 minutes of the weekend and you're going into that game knowing that you've done everything you can to fully prepare and not leaving anything to chance or, or should have maybe, you know, got an earlier night the night before or should have done this, should have, should have swam, I've not done enough recovery or rehab and you, you can't have them things going in your mind when you're going into them games. Yeah, and depending on the result, mate, it's a different emotion. So if you've been hammered, it's the <laughs> anger in it, which is a yeah. bit easier to shake off than the one or two or three point loss, isn't it? It's a bit like you'd give it every because sometimes you just get beat by the better team, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, but it other is. times, it's yeah. so many different different scenarios. Like sometimes I would find that if you get hammered, it's a bit easier than, than to shake off. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit easier to take an hammer and you're like, oh well, we were awful. That, that's it. We need to fix that up. But if you've lost yeah. by a couple of points and then you're like, well, what if, if we'd have done that, or if we'd have kicked this there, if we'd have kicked on that tackle, or if we'd have missed, not missed that one. There's so many more things to, that you're going through your head that, that just plague you when you've lost yeah. by, a, by a couple of points. But again, there's, there's nothing 
much you can do, but that's 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 hard. I suppose that's 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 the elite level that you're at, where you just got to put all that margins. back of your mind. The fact yeah, and just focus yeah. on, on doing all them things. That, that next time you're in that situation, you, you come out on the other side of the result. That's it, a little one percent, isn't it? Yeah, but being up yeah. there mentally for for that amount of time, especially, but that can be a good thing because you see so many teams make that late season charge. Um, yeah. and just pick form at the right time I think Bradford did it to us in, in 05 you know they were, they were kind yeah. of out the, the start of the season really bad but then from mid mid season they just went on a run you know I think they, came, they, they finished the season in third place to, to beat Saints like not Saints out at, at their place and then to beat us in the final because they just went on the up and up but it is hard to keep being on the up but if you're kind yeah. of on it you just keep riding it and riding it then, then you're kind of in that zone every time you're playing and, and you're so confident that if you can peak it, I think it's just about peaking at the right time of the season and some teams do it really well. Some You'll see some teams who set off like a house on fire but then they fall into bits by by the end of the season. So it's it's so off, off, it? Yeah, 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 so many things that you can throw in that, that can affect you and, and it, it, it is, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know what the right word and formula are if anyone kind of knows it. Yeah, and if you're in that top three, mate, without really probably realising you're everyone's cup final to a degree, aren't you? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you're so, there to be there to be knocked off, and then the exactly. teams below you have nothing to lose if they're like on a they've come fifth or whatever. They've got nothing to lose. It's must win for them, and uh, yeah. yeah, and you you're, you're going in as favourites. You've got that pressure of a home crowd and being being a favourite, and oh, you should walk this, and yeah, it's gonna affect yeah. you totally differently. Yeah. When you're in that environment, do you do you get the outside stuff? Because you've put enough pressure on yourselves anyway within it, don't you? you... Yeah, um, I think you don't. Well, I can't remember ever having that, but I think it's probably a bit of a different day with social media and things like that. Now, yeah. I think the, the challenge of of that and the pressure that probably comes on players these days, and uh, the criticism, um, and yeah, the the, the the glory that comes around it when they're doing well. I think it must be so hard for players in, in this day and age to kind of bat all that and not be, you know, so there's obviously a lot of lads, a lot of players who, who are on, you know, your Twitters and your Instagram yeah. and, and all these followers and seeing what's written about them all the time. And what we always say, you can't focus on anything outside. So our message as coaches is all you can focus on is what's in between these four walls, the players that are in this room and that's all that matters. It's not, it's not the CEO's opinion, it's not the media's opinion, it's not the fans' opinion, anything like that is just absolute, you know, it's no good. It's not doing us any favours and no yeah. one cares about that whatsoever. Um, you know, what the, even what the other team's doing, you know, we can't focus too much on that. It's all about what's what's in this room. And yeah, yeah the outside influences now that are going is a lot more than, than what it was in, in my day. You know, we just picked up a paper and read it, read some column inches if you wanted to to read it there was no social media such back then that, that yeah. attention so you had to cut um, it out for your scrapbook <laughs> mate for your 100 metres riding that's <laughs> it yeah <laughs> old scrapbook will be a seller too yeah, thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, still looking about the numbers I think yeah class oh mate is I was going to ask you about World Cup Challenge is that a concept you're enjoying something you want to see kick on because I don't feel they buy into it like us did he no it's a funny one. It would be. It is a really good concept. If, yeah. if yeah, if you can do it right, I know it's hard at the time of year to do it at the start of the year. And um, say, uh, well, with the Super League season starting really early, it's always before 
the the NRL kicks off, they always kind of see it as a warm up, but you know they always seem to Corbin do pretty well as, as well. And it's always in England. It's never like to see there. it a little bit more in Australia. You know, I like yeah. I like to see us just go over and challenge them in, the, in their back garden a bit rather than it always kind of be them coming over here and a bit of a pre-season camp, uh, using it as a bit of a pre-season friendly. And sometimes you get a mixed bag of of which team, what kind of team they'll put out or what kind of performance they'll win. Sometimes, you know, they'll win, sometimes they will win. It's, I, I do like the concept, you know. Yeah. I, I, I liked the, the, when everyone was involved that year and they did that, the, I can't the three what, games. Oh, yeah, the, the, that was unbelievable. Yeah, when every yeah. club was involved and you went over to Australia and, on a block and, and played, you know, three teams over there as as probably as dominated as the English teams got in that. There was only a handful of wins, weren't there, from, from yeah. the English sides. I think it was a fantastic concept. Whether something like that could be done, but in a smaller scale, whether like it's the top four who get to play in that or or top six, you know, I thought that was brilliant, brilliant for the game. And yeah. you know, travel at the minute. you can you can travel over and, and do all that in a three week block, four week block. You know, I do think there's the scope in the game of, of doing something along them lines, um, certainly. But I think as a World Cup challenge, it would be good to see see the English teams go over to us a little bit more and, and try and compete in their back garden. And, and, uh, and I think, you know, that'd be great for, for Aussies to see the level of Super League, you know, see the standard of yeah. Super League over here and go, you know, compete over there. I think that'd be, be a lot better for our game. And how did you find it being involved in it, mate? And and it was it was it a special occasion? Unbelievable, yeah, it yeah. was fantastic. It was, uh, <clears throat> yeah, such a special occasion. It was at Ellen Road when when we played in it against Canterbury. Yeah. Uh, so you know, being our local lads, or you know, a team full of Leeds United fans, so to play play like at Ellen Road in front of such a big crowd as well. I mean, we got you know fair fair amount of the game. And for the first time, we kind of competed in it. Being you know the first time we've been champions uh, to play against Canada, you know, such famous. And on our side, I'd like young Sonny Bill playing, and, yeah. and and that was yeah probably the best performance. The well, first half performance was just unreal. It just felt like one of them games where everything just clicked. Everyone was just on the money, and everything we did, and you know, probably the, it felt like as close as perfect forty minutes. Of, and we never played and, you know, was, was on fire and they came back hard in the second half and made it a close game. But as, a, as an experience, it was unbelievable, yeah, to, yeah. to win that with, with lads who, again, we'd grown up playing with in, in the academy. So, look back at the team then, it was so many of us had just come through the system together and, and played in the academy. We'd, by the time we'd, we'd won the grand final, you know, and the World Club, we'd been playing together. You know, for, for seven, eight years, a lot of us. Knew each so, other then and out, yeah. Yeah, it was just, we were still only young kids, you know, 23, 24s, 25s. But yeah, we'd had like eight years of playing together through academy and reserves and with such good mates and, and like a local kind of bunch representing your kind of home side. It was it was unbelievable, yeah. Did you get many moments in your career, mate, where you just felt you were, you were unbeatable and some of the stuff you were doing was just un, unplayable, basically? Um, pretty much, yeah, around, around yeah. that period there, I, I think, all five, the year after, we, that was probably the best, we, we didn't win anything, we lost more, yeah. we lost more finals that year, but as a team, that, you know, that's probably the best team I'd ever played in, um, you know, yeah, we just we managed to somehow blow the two finals, um, and 
yeah, you sometimes in that in the old four and old five season, you, you you felt invincible. I mean, you were young <laughs> kids and something about that kind of young bravado and that you you have a bit swagger about yourself when you're performing well and you're training hard. Because that's what I mean. We 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 worked hard. We, we, no one worked harder than than us in training and. And we, you know, found ourselves worked out in the gym, um, and we're just such good bond of mates that you kind of went out at the weekend. Coaches just got you pumped up, and you felt invincible. Sometimes looking at players and knowing how hard they'd worked all week, and knowing what they could deliver on the field, it was it's, it's just a good feeling. Yeah. So the move to Cass comes about, mate, and is it something you'd ever thought of doing, leaving Leeds? Really, or was it was it mutual? <coughs> was it out the blue? How did it? No, come about? I got sacked. I got sacked at Leeds. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Just straight up, yeah. No, that was it, yeah. I was, uh, yeah, just, um, yeah, behaviour and that, and, and obviously made mistakes there right. off the field that um, they got me, got got me sacked. Which, yeah, you look back and and, and yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty difficult time. It happened in like January time, so done Johnny a pre-season, and um, yeah, done a few, done a few stupid things as as a youngster, like twenty-four at the time, and. Yeah, they did kind of they couldn't stand any more of that, and and yes, giving me marching orders, which yeah, it was a uh, difficult. And then yeah, Cass came, Cass came. They'd just been promoted that year, so ended up signing for for Casford. And uh, yeah, not I never even yeah, thought of leaving Leeds. I thought I didn't think I'd leave Leeds, but yeah, yeah it was. Um, you look back and say you, in a sense, regret. You know what happened and and um, and the things that. That I did in that sense, but on the flip side, it wouldn't be where I am now if, if these experiences wouldn't happen. So you know, people say we change anything, and I wouldn't be, wouldn't be, wouldn't be down here. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have come on the journey I had to cast and end up in London, and, and you know, yeah. being from where I am now with my family, and and probably going to coaching, other coaching opportunities that I would have had down in London. So yeah, things happen for a reason. Learn from your mistakes as long as you're not consistently messing up or going back and making the same mistakes. You know, I was smart enough to try and learn from them mistakes that, that I'd made and move on and try and better myself as a person, as a as a player, and, and make the best of that situation and, and just move forward. How was it going from you competing at the top level? You, you've talked <laughs> with Britain, you've played in World Cup Challenges finals. Are you going now to Castleford to to instill a winning culture to lead from the front? Did they lean on you for anything like that? Um, I think so. Yeah, they had, they had yeah. quite because they've just been promoted. Yeah, you, you're coming from from a top club where you've just been playing in finals. You obviously have that that level where you've been performing at, at that stand each week. So yeah, I, I thought I played pretty decent. Good bit of cast. It was yeah, Terry Matson was a coach, fantastic bloke, and they had a good. Good bunch of lads there at Cast and loved, loved me. Yeah, there you know we were unfortunate to 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 get relegated at the time, which was was tough. And going from <clears throat> one end of the spectrum to the other. Yeah. You know, the year before I was playing the grand final. The year after, you know, I was playing in a, a relegation side at, at Wakefield. And yeah, it was. Again, you look back now, and that's I think as a coach, I've been in so many experiences, so many different experiences that I can draw on. I've not just been at the top all the time not been played at the top and having them experiences of coach and, and the player you know you get to pass that on to, to players who and your knowledge and and uh, they can delve into that emotional side of what I've been through 
to to help them, I think, as a, as a coach. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was a it was a great experience. So yeah, sad sad ending to it because we got we got relegated and it was it was a tough time for the club and it was a yeah it was a bit of a, a crazy year all in all. We're leaving Leeds in January and then getting relegated with Cass in, in October. Yeah, but love my time playing there. How's how's the changing room when you're under the pump like that, Dan? What what, what do you have to where do you have to go to to keep people on track and and the buy-in to still be there? I think as long as you you know that you're putting in the work during the week, you know, it is strong. So I think a lot of it comes down to the characters you've got in the changing room. We've got good people in there, good lads in there who who want to want to buy in, want you know. Are there for the at the club for the right reasons. You yeah. know, want to play for the club, want to play for for that badge on the shirt, want to play for the mates in the team. You know, want to play for the coach. I'm good relationships with the coaches. It's all about the character of them, them people in there. And if you if you've got, you know, people who, who are the opposite and aren't there for the right reasons. You know, whether that's that's money or or, or if they've signed somewhere else for next season, like a stepping stone. It yeah. can be it can be hard. It, can be it can be tough, but you've got to get the right people on board. And if, if you have that, then you know your changing room is pretty sweet. No matter what you go through, what adversity you face, you know you're coaching them to deal with that throughout your year, throughout your pre-season. You're putting players under pressure. That's our job as coaches to put them, uh, make them face, face adversity in training, uh, in game, discuss it openly again in, in reviews in, in, in classroom sessions. Uh, so when they're getting them situations in games, they know that they've been there before. They know that what they need to do to get out of them, and know that they've got each other's back to work hard together. And you know your mate's going to be, you know, giving his everything to to get out of that situation with you. I think that's so so important is the character of the people there and and the work that you put in throughout the year and keep that consistent. So when all this is going on, you what are you twenty four, twenty five? You said. Uh, I was there 25 then at Cash yeah. when we got, got relegated, yeah. Is 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 your coaching brain ticking or are you still fully? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I that's never what I mean. Yeah. I, never, I, I never saw myself getting into coaching at all. Okay. I, I ne- as a player, I couldn't probably thought about worse. People say, would you get to coach? Yeah. No, not really, no. I, like, as a player, it's, it's the best best life in the world. You see, you get, you, you play, you train, you get in your car at like one, two o'clock, and you disappear and you switch off. That, that was that was me as a, as a player. I'd just switch yeah. off at like two o'clock in the afternoon, go home, go play golf, go play snooker with my mates, you know, go whatever, go out for something to eat, go into town, do, do anything. You just switched off. And I saw then what the coaches were doing. Now, they'd prep what they were going through each week, what time they were clocking off, the stress that they were under. And now, like, that's not, not a bit of it. No, yeah. no, no, I need to go play snooker. So, um, <laughs> and I never, never thought I'd get into coaching at all. Even, even in the, you see some more experienced players towards the back end of the career, like, they, they, you could see that their interest is in it. They, they might go coach, like, the scholarship or the academy, or they'll be just like really invested in team meetings. The yeah. coaching side comes out and they'll, they'll start being, Really hands on with the young fellas and and the talk like so, oh, yeah, he, he's going to be a good coach. Be helping out in the sessions, and that was just yeah, never me as a player. Even when I was like into my 
into 30, 31, uh, to my last couple of years at Quinn. It, it never crossed my mind. And then it wasn't until I retired and um, <clears throat> kind of moved moved back up north for like a year. Yeah. So that's where we thought we'd settle. And then I'd, I'd retired through injury, so my wife went out to work. I was just like, just looking after as young kids who were like one and three at the time. Yeah. And just having that year out from the game, I mean, the game had been been all my life since I was since I left school at sixteen. I was fully immersed in, in full time rugby, you know, for 15, yeah. 16 years, and that's all that's all I've done. Um, and then having that year out where you just all of a sudden you've not got thirty blokes around you every day, you've not got that camaraderie, you're not playing rugby. I realised how big a part of my life it was, how important it was uh, for me to be involved in that, and it's kind of just. It, I just realised that I actually had more of a passion for the game than I kind of thought in the, in yeah. the last few years. Maybe I got kind of got the last couple of years and my body was falling to bits. Maybe I kind of got ground down a little bit and, and like kind of got sick of it in a sense or just mm. didn't see the enjoyment or the positives in the game as much because it was you struggling to walk after a game for a few days and, and yeah. seeing them bits, how hard it becomes. Maybe I've kind of fallen out of love of it in that last year or two but yeah for them things uh but yeah having that year out and just just realized how passionate i was about the game now bigger like it's been like i say spoke about my dad playing and been going to games since i was since i was you know, a couple of weeks old and that's all yeah. i'd ever had and all i've been a part of and having that year out you know reignited that so you know i was lucky and we moved back down south and i just spoke to um, Phil Jones, who was the NEU down at Queens, and says, Is there anything I can do? Can I get involved back in coaching? Can I come in and help with it? And he says, Come in, yeah, it's coming, get involved with the scholarship next Monday a week, see how, see how you like it. And then coming back and coaching your know, 15, 15 year old lads, a game that I've loved all my life, and seeing their, how their journey is just beginning and how they're just like sponges in training, how eager they were to learn the game. and and taking on board what I'm saying, then you see them little progressions every week from from that age group. It was that's what made me fall in love with coaching, and um, and then yeah, from there you know took over the academy the year after. And but as a player, I never never ever wanted to get into coaching because they got worse. It's mad, isn't it? So <laughs> and then, yeah, it's, uh, it would be a coach. Yeah. I yeah. So then little bits that you've just spoke about didn't even enter your mind really when you signed for London, did they? So yeah. well. Why London? Was there anyone else keen or? Um, Brian Matt was my reason. Brian Matt was yeah. a coach then and he'd been assistant at Leeds. Um, when I was playing, playing my best rugby at Leeds, he was Tony Smith's assistant. Um, really loved working for him. He was obviously a prop, a very good prop uh, in my position. I played against him when he was older at Bradford, so uh, a good reputation. Yeah, just loved, loved working for him at, at, at Leeds and then once he'd gone to London, he wanted to, to get us down there as well because um, because of his relationship that we had at Leeds and, I, and you know, he knew what I could do. I I knew what he could do for me. So, yeah, it was a yeah. no-brainer once he came on the side of the London. It was it was one of them where I went, yeah, I just, I just kind of, I've been seeing me, me oh, she my girlfriend back then, but my wife, yeah. we've been together about a year and we just, no, KJ, and then let's, let's go down to, let's go down to London, let's see. Same two-year deal. Yeah, it was just a bit of a, a bit of um, 
yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a journey. Let's go down there, a bit of an adventure. We'll go down there for for two years, and that's all I thought it'd be. I generally thought we'd yeah. just come down for two years, and and that'd be it. We'd probably come back up north, but yeah, two right. turned into into four, so signed again, and and then yeah, four turned into fifteen, and we just <laughs> love being yeah. love being down here, and yeah, start start this family when we came down, and yeah, it's been a, been a fantastic journey. But yeah, Mac was probably the main reason why I came down here originally. Yeah. So I've had a few guests on, mate, and he's not everyone's cup of tea, but I. No. So is that is he is he just confrontational? Is he maybe a bit too honest, or what is it? He's, he's a very honest man. Yeah, he's very open yeah. and honest. He just demands demands the best, the best from you. Demands demands that you do your job and you know your role and you do your job. I never had, never had an issue. I know he's he's not everyone's cup of tea and uh, can ruffle a few feathers, but yeah, for me, it was it was fantastic for for me as a player. Um, and yeah, he's a strange cat, eh? but we're all a bit strange, are we? You know That's I mean? it, mate. Yeah, and as a player, you're only one. Yeah, but as a player, you're only one honesty, Dan, don't you? And if yeah. that's what he gives you, that's I'm it. sure I mean, that's what you yeah, give people as a coach. An honest, an honest bloke, yeah. hardworking bloke. You know, no more tougher than than Royal Marines, and um, yeah, instilling that into in, in players and the disciplines in players and and that honesty. In, in, in the players I thought yeah that certainly got the best out of me as a, maybe I needed that at that time in my life you know um, that kind of that kind of mentor um, for me was, was fantastic so yeah I can only speak personally that he, yeah, he was the reason that I came down here and, and enjoyed my time down here yeah and how did you find so with you being Quinns was it you were playing at the Stoop weren't you yeah it was at Stoop yeah yeah did you ever did you have a hybrid training or out with them? Was just... We didn't. We trained out the same training ground. So we yeah. shared training grounds out, um, down in Roehampton. So we we come across a lot a lot of time. I was a good bunch of lads, and they were probably just they'd have only been a few years into into full time kind of rugby then with the rugby union um, right. scene. That was just growing uh, yeah. in, into it. But yeah, shared the gym and shared shared the training ground down there. Uh, but no, we never had any kind of. I'd be training, no. Because no. right. with the seasons, they always played winter, we were summer, so it never yeah. kind of fitted in that you were at the same path. Um, of year. Yeah, that, we, yeah, we were in our pre They were in their peak when we were just starting out pre-season and likewise, yeah. so it never never could really work out that we could have like a, a bit of a game together or a, or a training session, really. Sound that yeah. you didn't want that scrum machine, Dan, did you? I know we see them lads out there and we're like, wow, well, glad you're not a forward in rugby union. That, that yeah. the, see the all the forwards, all the big fellas would just be smashing in that scrum machine for about an hour and all the backs would just be kicking and laughing and just, just having it. a great time. And uh, yeah. yeah, the big fellas were going through it and then they come in, they go back out, they train about four times a day. I just right. uh, give, him a, give him a wave as we were leaving it about one o'clock. Point you giving your boot. That was it. We just give him a wave and know that they've got about three more sessions to go. Yeah. Hey, but I am a nine, by the way. I grew up playing nine at school, mate. I don't oh, play did you? Mean, no, you. Oh, <laughs> I play yeah. nine, but I, I'm not that I'm not nine, yeah, mate. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 no scrum machine for me, no. So when that... When that second two years come about, was it an easy, easy decision then, mate? Did you just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah really easy. I yeah. never kind of looked and wanted to kind of go anywhere else. We just was happy down down south, loved it down there. 
Um, and yeah, we just really said, oh, and Mrs. is a Jews with last herself, so she should be right. in the same town up north, but never, never wanted to kind of come back up. We were always happy down there. We thought I'd, yeah. we'd come up north when I retired. We, yeah. So we assume once once we'd uh, had retired, we just that's why we moved up north for a year because we thought that that's what we'd do. But after uh, we was back up north for literally a couple of months and said we preferred it down south, should we just move yeah. back down Part south? From home, yeah. That's what it was. When yeah. we used to it, used to being away from your family and friends a lot. You get used to just being in your own little bubble, which was down here and enjoyed that. So we just. Uh, Decided to come back down. We didn't come back down for rugby. We didn't come back down after every time. We didn't come back down to coach. Came back down just because we loved living down here. And then right. just getting in contact with the, with the club then that we just started doing a bit with a scholarship. But it was always just yeah. come down for, for the love of living down south. Right. So is is that mentoring role still still on you now? Because you, you're at the back end of your career, you're playing there, even though you're still a young man in the 30s in the front row, aren't you? But are you leading yeah. from the front with culture, with performance, with recovery? Are you helping develop that mentality? Because there's some good product come from London now, mate. Yeah, there, there was. Yeah, there were, like I said, maybe not the recovery side of things. <laughs> Snooker and beer, oh, mate, recovery, innit? <laughs> that was it. Let's go Monday, Monday Club. Yeah, in Pop Black, just... Uh, 10 frames but no like that's I think it always been drilled into us as a strong work ethic from from the early days at Leeds in the academy with his, with his coaches then that spoke around that was always drilled into us and you know yeah. we knew what it was about then we just worked hard um, I thought you know I was never a flash player I never won for doing many flash things but I knew my role I knew my job and knew how to do that I, I like think I was pretty consistent probably not many tens 10 out of 10s in my career, but, you know, plenty of, you know, seven and a half, eights, where I was just, yeah, definitely, just, yeah, just yeah. in my job every week. And I think that's what I've just tried instilling and trying to learn now as a coach is that everyone knows the role and the young players that, you know, we had like Tony Clubs and Louis McCarthy who were just bursting on the scene then when I was down there and, and lots of other, you know, Dan Sargentons and, and players like that were coming on the scene. So trying to, trying to help them with their journey and, um, just do, yeah, just do me. I was always just big on just doing my job and just doing that as well as I could so so the team can do theirs and the rest of the team can yeah. can do their job, yeah. Just trying to instill that into to them. So you you mentioned yourself there, mate. You come through the coaching ranks, so to say, at London. So how was it branching out in London when the competitiveness for young lads to play a sport in so many different facets is there? How do you yeah. compete with the other sports to get the dance sergeants and the clubs, the... LMSs, the Mike McMeekins, because of what he's gone on and he's doing. Yes, it's, it's, it's tough because, uh, firstly, the, the size of the area that you're dealing with down here is just huge, you know. Yeah. You've, got one, you've got one club, um, obviously the scholars down here as well, but you kind of got one club who's, who's got the old pathway of, of the juniors who come into a scholarship, come into an academy, and the the area is just just massive you know you did, yeah. you're going into Essex you're going down the south coast to Brighton you, you've got lads uh, you know 15 years old and the, and the mums and dads are, are driving you know, a four hour round trip to get into the training you know once or twice a week then you've got lads on public transport doing you know four hours five hours on, on the tubes trying to get to, to training three three times a week so the yeah. commitment from from them lads is just just massive that they're putting down here. So that in itself, 
they deserve a massive rap for it because they just want to play the game. They they're passionate about playing the game and they want to they want to to have that commitment to come to training a couple of times a week. You are competing a lot now with with rugby union and yeah. football. It, there's lots that you compete with down here, but I think the, the the thing that we did well is we had a real clear pathway of it was an elite program. It was this is where you can go. This is you've got your Super League side there. This is you've got London lads that we could show. Look, we've got Lou McCarthy playing. He's a London lad. He's playing first yeah. team. He's played, you know, in the hundred games of Super League for for Quinns. Um, so then lads coming into that scholarship program could see that they could see that we're playing juniors. It was a clear to them that well, if I work hard here, they've got that. It's got that academy. There, there yeah. is there's, there's something to strive for, and the program that they've always run is is really professional. It's which I think at the time was was better than what union programs were or or football programs that are just they just take all as many players as they can and then chew them up, spit them out. Yeah, well, we exactly. Was, yeah, yeah, we was just a, a quality program, quality facilities. You know, good coaches, all about that, giving them the best that we could give in terms of care and support for them. It's not always about the best facilities or money thrown at me. You know, you've got to be able to care for these youngsters and know that you've got the best interests at heart. You undevelop them as rugby players and they can see that pathway from, from scholarship academy to first team and, and the, the, um, they've got lads there already playing. You know, the proof's in the pudding. We've got, you know, 50% of the first team squad made up of London lads. That, that can be you. That's what you can strive for. You just got, yeah, yeah. You just got honesty with them, Dan. I mean, yeah, you've got You've just you're just being up front with them, and if they're not going to make it as a rugby player, they're going to leave you a better person, aren't they? That's it. Yeah, yeah. You, you're developing people. You're developing as like, oh, people. That, that's the first yeah. thing. You're giving them so many, so many skills to be a, a, a good bloke, a good, a good person first and foremost. You know, the rugby comes second. You're developing the character, the work ethic. You yeah. know, little things like tidying up after themselves. As, as a kid, sometimes you don't know. Sometimes 16, 17 years old. You're a mess. We've got a lot, a lot of lads who, yeah. who might, who when they get to first team at you know 18 years old, they'll, they'll have to live in accommodation, they'll have to move across London, so break down it, you know, move away from the parents at 17, 18 years old, and they've got they're living it all of a sudden, they're living in a house with you know four over 18 year olds, and they don't have to turn the washing on. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. You're yeah. going round. They won a preceding. You're going round with a with a bag full of bleach and toilet cleaner and toilet rolls, so, right? This goes down there, like just clean your toilet. <laughs> yeah. And you don't, like, and this is how your washing machine goes. And you, you're actually going around and teaching these lads little skills, you know. Yeah. There's times when if I was stopping for like an academy session on a night from first team, I'd, I'd just tell them, lads, I'm coming around your house for for dinner tonight. I'm coming around, you're gonna cook me a meal. So I'll be around about I'll be around about five o'clock, make sure you've got Here's a five. I make sure you cook yeah. something nice and we go around and then they'd have to Super be noodles. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just, things like that, they just don't know. Yeah. Shouldn't, shouldn't really be living out at home when you're 18. You know, these lads don't know how to cook. They've always had the mums and dads do things for them. They don't know how to wash the clothes. There's still lads taking bags of washing on to the mums yeah. every weekend. And you try and just teach them life skills like that, as well as other things about being the character, making sure, you know, the good people, looking after each other, being polite, all that. So, some, you just, you're just helping them with their life skills. And 
you know, um, being a good bloke. There was, I'm not saying there was any issues, there weren't good blokes, but you develop, yeah. just as they progress into adulthood, there's so many obstacles that have come over as, uh, as as young men that you just help them along and they make mistakes and you yeah. have to sit down with them. And if you're going to make that mistake two, three times, then we're going to have an issue, but I understand that you've made there and you need to fix that up this is what, what you need to do in that situation if yeah. it arises again but you're just about the people and then the rule becomes second if you've got that character of, of good people and they want to work out and they've got that work ethic then you can you can help and mould them into, into new players so how was the million pound game mate? Um, unreal again you look back and, and you see we had yeah, going on that point of we had about Nine lads in the in the match day eighteen who would come through that system, and that's mm. what made that so special for me. Is I'd had I'd had one or two lads in there who I coached under fifteens when I first went back down to London who were turning out then in, in the million pound game, and that's that's what made I think that day so special. Is the young London lads that were on the show, and you know we weren't given a chance to win that game. We're not given a chance oh. all year, but the only people kind of believed it was. You know the lads in the in the changing room, the the players who were in that meeting room prior to it. They were, they were the only lads who believed that we could get that job done. And um, the yeah, ones that mattered, mate, in it. Yeah. That's that's what we spoke yeah. about earlier. That's that's yeah. all that cares. The outside influences, what you, what the rest of the, the the club think, or what what the media think, or the bookies are saying. It's all absolutely irrelevant. You've got a team there who just believe that they can go over Toronto. We'd been beaten heavily twice over in Toronto that year. We were lucky enough to, to go over three times. So yeah. Yeah, we've been over in the middle eights of the normal season. And But somehow they believed when we went over a third time that there, were, there was no way they were going to lose. And that's what it felt like in that game. It was it was a weird one because we'd had more stressful, although the score was 4-2, we'd had more stressful games at the back end of the season trying to just make the playoffs. Yeah. In the middle eights, we'd have more stressful games. I don't know. Some game you feel like you win the time being in the zone, but it just felt like the lads were always going to win that game. They just felt so on at that point, peaking at the right time and so focused and knew the roles and knew how to, to get the win over there. That it, coming to the back end, you know, five minutes, ten minutes left, we felt like we weren't going to lose. And it was uh, it was unbelievable, yeah. Nice place to be in then, that, isn't it? Well, it was unbelievable, yeah. We were, yeah. We were, we've been over three times and spent yeah. like, nearly two weeks there. <laughs> all that, that year. We completed it. Yeah. That's what we said. We'd, we'd done the tourist debate. So we'd been yeah. to Niagara Falls. Everyone goes over there and they go to Niagara Falls. And yeah, yeah, a couple of times we've been over. Probably been a bit too, too touristy, a bit too wrapped up in going down to Toronto. Lads, even though they'd, just, they'd go into the city the day before the game, just, just have a walk around. But, you know, yeah. you, if you go into the city, you're going to walk about probably three miles. You know, yeah. you know it. So all that little stuff have been wrapped up in in, um, in going to a massive, beautiful city like Toronto. We're done. You know, lads have gone to the baseball. We've gone to the Blue Jays. We've been like, ticking all these touristy boxes. Got smoked twice over there by about <laughs> 45. Probably done you a favour, though, didn't it? That was it, my time. Yeah, got it out the way. And we'd completed Toronto. Yeah, you were resident. That's it. <laughs> we were just sat, sat in his hotel room, just eating, swimming, and the boys just prepared themselves. Brilliant, because they'd done over. Yeah. They, they knew what had not worked before. They knew yeah. they couldn't do things like that. And they were so focused on... Every time we came away from it, we knew... 
uh, well, next time we come, we'll do this, this, we'll do that differently. That worked, this didn't work. And yeah. then the second time we thought, we, we came away in the middle eights thinking if we, we, we had an inkling that we might go there, we were looking like we might go there for a million pound game and we just came away thinking, you know, we're going to, if we come back from the pound game, we're going to nail them. They know yeah. exactly what to do and, and how to do it. So that's what it felt like. Yeah, yes, we stayed, Brilliant, in, we stayed in the hotel and just got his head down. Yeah. So obviously you end up leaving London after taking them to the promised land, mate, don't you? And, yeah. And it, is it Rosalind Park that come in and had a chat and you've ended up going there, was it? Yes. So you left London last July now and then, um, yeah, been been just pottering about the house for, for the first few months <laughs> and doing DIY badly and, uh, and then yeah Roslyn Roslyn got him on because yeah. that's where Broncos train out at Roslyn Park and oh, knew okay. a couple of their knew a couple of their staff there had a performance is the old end performance who was at Leeds when we won the grand final as well Steve Walsh so I knew him from a the time there and, and yeah just got talking to a few they were coming to the back end of the season and I wanted to get us involved there, so yeah, yeah, loved it. It's been, it's been a fantastic experience. Good people and a good set of lads, and just gone in, helped with attack and defence really at the back end of the season. Yeah, so it's, it's been fantastic. Good stuff, mate. I'm, I'm obviously cautious of time. I've had it most of the night now, so a couple of daft <laughs> questions right. for you. Sorry, mate. Right, so, right. any pre match superstitions when you were um, playing? Yeah, I had a real weird one. I only ate, I only ate food with a teaspoon on game days. Which is just a bit, a bit weird. So I'm like, yeah, I don't know why and don't know how it started. But yeah. I'd, 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 I'd have porridge on the morning, I'd have to eat with a teaspoon. And then I'd make like rice or pasta and I'd just eat food with a teaspoon on a game day. And then I, I don't know how I snapped out of this. And I did that for a few years. Well, that's a bit weird now. Like, well, even when I went away, if you go away with, like every other game at Quinns was an away game, so you'd be stopping yeah. in a hotel and then you'd be like, well, lads would be like, why are you eating? Why are you trying to eat chicken and pasta in a taste? <laughs> it's like, don't know where it came from. I'm, like, yeah. oh, I'm pretty, been pretty good apart from, apart from the teaspoon incident. So, right. that, uh, yeah, snapped myself out. But it's been, it's been some strange ones over the years. But no, that was that was about it, really. That's just stick to the same food. It's the yeah. same routine, but nothing, nothing more than just eating the teaspoon. Right, the toughest player you've played with or against? Um, well, I'd probably say Paul Schoolthorpe's up there is the, the, the toughest to play against. Uh, I think he was such a good, good quality player. He could play yeah. in most positions. You know, he probably had the toughness of a prop four, the skill of a standoff. Um, Adrian Morley, people like that was yeah, yeah fantastic compares and. And but yeah, I'd say yeah, Skull is probably the, the best one I've played against. It was really unreal, yeah. The player lucky to play with him at GB as well, so it was uh, yeah. got both sides of the coin. Your favorite away ground, mate? Um, it used to be Norsley Road, I used to love playing at Norsley Road, and uh, that was uh, that was fantastic. And the thought it was always intimidating, always a big crowd as well, I had a yeah. big crowd then. It was always them Friday nights. We used to love Friday nights when it was always Sky Game on a Friday. Leeds would travel well, and but the pitch was always fantastic. I always found the the, the surface at Norsley Road was was unreal. I'd always sit straight up because you knew you were going Norsley Road. It was going to be like you probably lose the majority of games. I've been yeah. on the road and been on the end of some some massive hidings. But when you win there, it's 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 pretty special and just just share the ground, the atmosphere. 
was was awesome and yeah mainly like the playing surface because I'm, I'm a dry track player i like to <laughs> play on a nice surface yeah. <laughs> my game playing on a nice surface yeah i can use my speed right mate so i'm, I'm the other way horses for courses so everyone down to my best <laughs> <laughs> well that's it yeah saints are like the fast we're the fastest team to play against and absolutely yeah. playing your way but it's somehow just liked my sadistic side just liked liked being in the mix and on the fast track again against saints and testing yourself Fair enough, mate. So, if you were out with the lads, mate, and you've had a few, you've won a few frames, you're going to put yeah. the mics in your hand, yeah. what are you giving us? Karaoke, it'd be uh, like a Roman Stone by Bob Dylan, that's always been my, my go-to. Um, Bellet that out quite a few times, but yeah, that, that was always my, my go-to, uh, a, bit, a bit of Bob Dylan. Right. But I will just literally sing anything. Once I'm on karaoke, that's that's me. I'm, I'm set for it now. I won't give the microphone. Yeah, I won't give the microphone <laughs> to anybody. It has to be dragged off kicking and screaming. It takes me a few, <laughs> takes me a few beers to get on there. But then yeah. Yeah, once once I'm on that, set yourself in. So I go, yeah, full, <laughs> full Tom I've Jones got this. Turn. Yeah, I'll sit. Yeah, you sit yourself down and just enjoy this, lads. <laughs> So, night, yeah. yeah. So you're one to thirteen that you've worked with, please, mate. Oh, tough one. I'm to say, yesterday, Harris, before back, um, yesterday with the year we were winning Man of Steel and Leeds, I thought he was just yeah. probably the best player in the world. It was, it was unreal. Um, yeah, unbelievable. Probably like I said, Marcus, Marcus Bay on the wing. Probably a lot of, a lot of the lead side from that, like all yeah. four or five era, really. Um, yeah, probably Keith Senior in the centre, Marcus Pye, I thought they were unbelievable. He um, was, yeah, they had some yeah, good there, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, wingers, other wingers, geez, I'll come back to that. I'll come back to, come back to wingers. Six would be, Dan, uh, if we go to six, that would be Danny Maguire. Danny yeah. Maguire would be, would be standoff. Um, unbelievable player. Um, fantastic to play with. Going to a great leader, um, yeah, probably Rob Burrows as well. Six and seven, it's it's hard not to it's hard to pick one without oh, that's without, it, without it. the other, yeah. Um, both unbelievable talents at the time. Seeing come through from young kids to 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 see what they did then in the game was you know pretty pretty special to be a part of. Part of the journey with them. Um, props wise, I go Danny Nutley. Uh, was it Carl? Was it with Cass? With Danny Nutley he came over and had a couple of years over in Castro. He was the year he was at Castro with him, I thought he was the best player in the comp. I thought he should have won Man of Steel. He would just play about 80 minutes every week, do about 50 carries and about 80 tackles. It was it was unreal. It was next level that year. The year we got got relegated. Um probably on the other prop, I'd probably say Louis, Louis McCarthy, just just yeah. to have him. On there, and just his, his character and his his, his um, determination to win is just always good fun playing alongside him. He never just he'd leave in the middle of a game, absolutely naked, and you'd be just laughing at him. Or, oh, he brings energy, don't yeah, he? Yeah, he does bring energy. It. He brings yeah. that. He just brings that bounce about about the about the about the team and about the changing rooms. His quality and probably always, early days were always fighting, always in the mix of. Trying to start a fight, and he's like, I'm not today. Look, I'm getting too old for this. And he'd just be, 
giving it the biggins, Cockney geezer and all that, and thinks he's Millwall football fan, football hooligan, <laughs> like that on a day out. And I'm like, not today, though. It's just, it's not the right time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, not 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 for me. Probably, um, Matt Niskin, i probably put a hooker. Uh, yeah, Disco played, you know, came through Juju Moore together and just, you know, kind of grew up through the academy together. I loved playing with, loved playing with Disco when he was, when he was at nine. Um, but some Adrian Morley in the back row when he was he was a, he was a back row when, when I started yeah. playing at Leeds. Like I say one of the, one of the best to to play alongside. I think it was Moz um, in the back row. Struggling, should have thought through a little bit more in the spot. Um, Go, you could throw, you could throw Scully there, couldn't you? You could throw Scully as well because you're 13. Yeah. Probably yeah. Kev is it. I don't know. I was wondering about that. I like Rob Perdomore, Kev. Uh, yeah. Kev's obviously unbelievable to play with and captain, but then same, like, lucky enough to play with Perdomore's captain. At, at, he was solid, Rob. Uh, yeah. He was, um, yeah, just tough as tough as teak. Yeah, farmer, Cumberland farmer. Met him on that South Africa tour. That's where I shaved his hair off on that, that uh, <laughs> South Africa tour when he was when he was. Uh, when he's had a few beers and it was a bit worse for wear, I, I had him in the room. I just met him there. It was just this, this weird Cumbrian farmer who just uh, no one really knew much about. So I thought, well, yeah. if we shave his hair off, we'll see, we'll see which way he's going to go. <laughs> Nearly not made off. So, um, go for, but yeah, that's not, not a bad shout going with, with Scully in the, in the back row. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, someone over left out there, wingers, wingers and centre. So you need your winger and centre, don't you? Wingers and centres, probably. Um, what Brian Carney when played at GB Brian Carney, you know, he was he was fantastic, unbelievable. Like you know, solid wingers will make up make plenty of meters, and yeah. um, he was he was a, a quality player. Yeah, really, I think at that time, you know, again, he was one of the best best in the world, and um, yeah, looking to looking to play with him, and then centre centre tough one, tough one. We'll go on with mate Chev. We'll mate Chev there. Just yeah. um, again, just the, the, the Chev and Keith and them centres at Leeds were a fantastic strike at that time. And uh, I think that that would be that would be the thirteen, yeah. Just a quick reminder that Bydell Sports are our sponsors here at Trot the Eggin. So if you go down to their flagship store in West Bank and quote Trot the Eggin, you'll get a free stud and a one percent discount. You've been listening to Trot the Eggin. Thanks to our sponsors by Dell Sports. Follow us on Twitter at Trot the Eggin and Instagram at Trot underscore the underscore egg underscore in.